Got the page? You got the chapter? First Peter? Now next week, I'm going to start a three-week series on First Peter 4. And it's called Living for God. How many of you want to live for God? All right, First Peter 4, Living for God. And we're going to break it down into three parts. And I want you to look at it. I want you to mark that. If you've got a ribbon, pull that ribbon down right here and mark 1 Peter 4 because I'm going to encourage you, read it before next Wednesday. Read 1 Peter 4. It talks about suffering. Doesn't that bless you? It talks about suffering. It talks about how to handle it through the eyes of God. It talks about using your gift for the glory of God. It's got some great stuff in it. We're going to talk about end-time thinking. How to think in the end times. Here it is, 1 Peter 4. So I'm giving you some homework. I'm giving you an assignment. I'm giving you a challenge. If you don't know where to read the Bible, wake up in the morning and turn it right back to 1 Peter 4 and read it. And then read it with a pen. Read it with a pencil. If your Bible's too holy to mark in, it's too holy. Never have a Bible you can't mark in. Mark it up. Underline what speaks to you. Make little notes at the side. That gives you, listen, 1 Peter will bless you. All right? That's it. That's all I wanted to tell you. Now, Brendan, God bless you guys. Find the rock. Give them a hand as they go. All right. And we're going to finish tonight. That's the wrong one. Um, Laura, that's the wrong one. <laughs> we may get to fellowship for a minute. Uh, don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, bless the Lord. We'll get it loaded up in just a minute. Y'all can sit and talk a minute. And um, we got a little bit of slack time. We can sing. Where'd Joe go? Pastor Joe, come back out, Pastor Joe, and let's sing. We got the wrong one up there. But we will get it. It is there. It's the wrong one. You put it in. Everybody hit him on the way back. Well, let's see. God really is good all the time. We're going to finish chapter 6 tonight, or we're going to finish the 6th verse of Psalms 23. And it's an incredible. How many of you enjoyed this series on the 23rd Psalm? How many of you can, can say that uh, my vision of him as my shepherd has increased? Is he your shepherd? Is he a good shepherd? Do you remember the shepherd you used to have, if you can call him that? The evil shepherd, the one under whose control your life was almost destroyed? You remember that? Isn't it good that Jesus is not just our Savior, but he is our shepherd? All right, let's get a couple of testimonies. Anybody have a testimony about something God has done? We call them popcorn testimonies, pop up and testify. Yes, Pat? Let me, okay. There it is. But go ahead and testify, Pat. Amen. Amen. 
Hey, Pat, you want to preach? <laughs> she could do it. You know, we, I was so thrilled to see her come through that, and she came through it fast. And uh, never lost her faith, and then her, I call her husband Carl, I call him handsome. I, I say, how do you keep getting better looking all the time, Carl? Raise your hand. There we go. And he said, it's because of who I'm married to. Amen. All right, let's stand together, and I think we've got it now. We got it? We're ready to roll? Good deal. Let's read the 23rd Psalm, this time all the way through because we're at the last verse. I want you to read it like you're preaching to me, okay? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And now the last verse tonight. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life forever. Give the Lord a hand. Isn't that good? And of course, this is the, uh, I believe, the NIV version, and we're going to be looking more at goodness and mercy. It says goodness and love there, but hey, either one will do for me. Amen? Father, bless this to our hearts tonight. Feed us the good Word of God. Renew our minds. Enhance our vision of Jesus. Help us to get a better grasp on his shepherdhood over us. And thank you, Lord, for the incredible promise in this last verse. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell your neighbor goodness and mercy are chasing after you. You may not be used to an interactive church, but we're pretty interactive around here. I'll get you to talk sometimes, and, and I want you to talk back to me sometimes. Um, so, let's look at this now. Now, throughout this study, six weeks of the 23rd Psalm, we've seen the crucial importance of the sheep's relationship with the shepherd. I want you to understand he's your savior, he's your healer, he's your guide, he's your peace, he's your deliverer, He's your provider, but he's also your shepherd. And the 23rd Psalm is all about David using real shepherd sheep imagery to teach us about the Lord leading us as our shepherd. The Bible calls all of us what? Sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way because sheep are basically dumb. Now, you may have a high IQ, but because you and I were born after a fall, in the beginning, when God created us, we were not this way. We did not go off in a wrong direction naturally. But since the fall of Adam and Eve, not only were we born in sin and shaped in iniquity, that doesn't mean we're totally evil. It just means we are inclined towards breaking God's commandments. 
We were born with a disease, and it's called sin. And because of that birthright, or that birthmark, we could say, that's in the soul of every one of us, we so easily go astray. Though we might be able to figure out high mathematics or be a brilliant scientist, brilliant people do dumb things all the time. It's because, like sheep, we've gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. When you go to your own way, the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Why? Because that man can't judge correctly. Because we were born in sin. Because we were born in sin, we have this bent towards sin, then we need a shepherd. And that's what this is all about. So we've got a relationship with our shepherd. Thank God for that. Now, uh, all the benefits enjoyed by a flock under skilled and loving management have been highlighted in the 23rd Psalm. Now, all of this is summed up by the psalmist in the intriguing statement, Surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. I can't help but thinking about two little puppy dogs behind me. One's named goodness, one named mercy. Have you ever had two little dogs that won't leave? I've got dogs at home. You know I love dogs. I've got this one dog that just loves me. It's about time I got one in the house that loved me. <laughs> Kathy has been the alpha person. When she comes home, they act like Jesus just returned. <clears throat> when I walk in, they don't even look up. But I finally got one that feels this way about me, and I love it. Every time I turn around, there's her name is Zoe, and she's this beautiful husky. And, and she's following right along behind me. And, and just give me one more, and I've got surely goodness. Everywhere I go in the house, I turn around. There she is. Picture, when you walk with the Lord, He will see to it that surely goodness and mercy are like two little puppy dogs following along behind you everywhere you go through everything you experience. All the days of your life, good, bad, and ugly, now through valleys of darkness, and atop the summits of splendor, no matter what may come, the sheep can be sure of the presence of goodness and mercy. You may not see goodness and mercy in the valleys, but they're there. And when you look back, when you were in that valley, you realize they were there. The question must be asked, how many Christians feel this way? Do you feel this way? That God's goodness and mercy are tracking you, following you, that the master's expert care of you are going to be followed by goodness and mercy? It's easy to say this when things are going well, isn't it? But what about when the rains fall? And they will. And the floods rise. And I promise you they will. And harsh winds blow against us. What about then? Then are you convinced of goodness and mercy? All the days of your life? Oh, I'll tell you, folks. It matters what you believe about God. There are people that have a concept of God that he's angry, mean, waiting for you to make a mistake so he can stomp you like a bug. And they are not, they don't have the fear of the Lord. They're afraid of God. And that's different. But no, that's not the real God. Our God is a shepherd. But do you see him that way when you're going through a hard time? What is your reaction when your body breaks down? Or when you lose a spouse? Or when the money's tight and you can't seem to pay the bills? Or what do you say when suddenly without good grounds, friends prove false and turn against you? 
Ever had that happen? The betrayal factor, when people you thought were your friends turn on you, and you're left standing there or sitting there, and you don't know how to, how to deal with it, how to make sense of it. They weren't who you thought they were. How do you deal with that? Can you, will you, do you believe that even His grace will provide goodness and mercy at a time like that? Let me tell you about the shepherd. When everyone else walks out, he walks in. I want you to know that. Everybody may walk out on you. Paul said, everybody in Asia forsook me. All of them. But the Lord stood with me. We've got a shepherd that will never walk out. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the best thing that ever happened to you in a million and one different ways. There are times when our confidence in the care of Jesus is tested, and it will be. And I'd be a lying preacher if I told you everything was going to be smooth and easy. It won't. You're going to be attacked in some ways just because you've got the blood of Jesus on your life. But that's okay. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But these are the occasions when the chips are down and life is more than a list of pious platitudes. The psalmist is boldly stating that even in the tough times when it seems our little world is falling apart and the dreams we've reached for crumble into ruins, and sometimes they do, especially if your castles were made of sand. We can still declare, surely, yes, surely, goodness and mercy are still going to follow me all the days of my life. Say with me, the Lord gives goodness, and the Lord gives mercy, and He will cause them to follow me through thick and thin, good days and bad. They're chasing me down right now. Give the Lord a hand. I know it's true. Amen. Now, looking back on my own life, I'm going to tell you the truth. A little bit of testimony here. I can honestly say there have been very, very dark hours where everything seemed uh, hopeless. Couldn't see any way out. Couldn't see how anything was ever going to change. Days when I didn't feel like I had the strength to take one more step. You ever felt that way? How am I going to take even another step? Down, and you think you're out, but you're not. There were valleys, I'm telling you, I promise you, darker than night. And the only light I had was opening up that Bible and letting it shine on me. When it's dark, turn on a light. How do you turn on a light? Open up that book. Wah! Because thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So, there have also been numerous times when I did not understand his guidance or some of what he allowed into my life. Anybody ever feel that way? Why, Lord, did you allow this into my life? How did this happen? How am I, what am I to make of this? One of Kathy's favorite quotes is, when you don't understand God's hand, trust his heart. There are times you won't understand God's hand, and you've got to trust his heart. More than a few times I've questioned his providential control over circumstances in my life. Guarantee you. There were times I was tempted to strike out on my own. Really, actually, truthfully, truth be told, a couple of times I did strike out on my own. And boy, was that a mistake. Doubting his care, thinking that I could go figure it out myself. 
How many of you have ever tried to strike out on your own? You got way worse off than before you ever left. Let God work it out. But you know what? The Lord has always known my path, and He knows your path. And David said He knows the way that I take, that when He's tried me, I will come forth like gold. And He kept on working with me. Are you glad God has always kept on working with you? Even when if you were God, you'd have kicked you out to the curb. But He doesn't do it. And aren't you glad the person next to you is not God and that I'm not God and that you're not God? You know what church would look like? It'd be a bunch of vapor trails. That'd be about it. All right? But the Lord, no, no, He's gentle, He's kind, He's merciful, He's good, and He doesn't give up on you. He does not give up on you. I'm going to say it again. He does not give up on you. He doesn't do it. Indeed, my shepherd, the Lord Jesus, carried me through them all. And following right behind me like two little puppy dogs have been goodness and mercy. No wonder the great apostle wrote these words. I love this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? No. Or hardship? No. Or persecution? No way. Or famine? Uh Uh-uh. Or nakedness, danger, or sword? Never. They can't. And he says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, read this with me everybody, that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Goodness and mercy. are going to follow you all the days of your life. As the song says, remember this song? Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. Have you? Have you learned to depend on His Word? I guarantee you you can lean on His Word, sleep on His Word, live by His Word, die by His Word. Goodness and mercy can certainly be summed up in the person of Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus? He's goodness. The Bible says He went about everywhere doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. And what about mercy? Isn't that Jesus? Goodness and mercy. Those are just two attributes of our great shepherd. Goodness and mercy sum Him up. Uh, It is the Lord Jesus Himself who walks beside us as God's goodness and mercy personified he blesses you all the care all the work all the alert watchfulness all the skill all the concern all the self-sacrifice is born of his love the love of the one who loves his sheep he is our goodness and our mercy how much does he love you enough to stand between you and the wolf and die instead of you How much does he love you? To stand between you and the lion and be torn and shredded so that you could be rescued. Greater love has no man than he lay down his life for his friend. He loves you in a way that you and I will never fully understand until we get to glory and see the full picture. 
But now turning the thought a bit, let's just flip this a little bit and look at it this way. Since it's our great shepherd that graces us with goodness and mercy, shouldn't we leave goodness and mercy behind us as a legacy to others? When you came into contact with Jesus, what, what did he leave in your life? What did he sow into your life? He sowed goodness. He sowed mercy. He sowed redemption. He sowed compassion. He sowed forgiveness. What did he sow into your life? It was all good. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above, Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow of turning, no change. He sowed goodness and mercy. Now, as recipients of goodness and mercy, what's the will of God for you and me? That we leave behind us goodness and mercy. You know, you can tell who somebody's walking with by what they leave behind. I've done a lot of funerals. I've presided over a lot of funerals. Um, here recently, I did a funeral in the morning and a wedding that same night. I'm there as a pastor for all the extremes of human experience. I'm there when the hearts are shattered. I'm there when the hearts are rejoicing. I'm always seeing the extreme sides of the human experience. In a lot of the funerals I presided over, listen, I can always tell by the reaction of the people at the funeral what that person left behind. If they left behind goodness and mercy, there's not a dry eye in the house, there's weeping, there's sorrow, there's heartbreak. But I've done some where there wasn't a tear. And you know what you can see? What they left behind. See, it's not money that you leave behind that is the most important. It is you and the memory of you and what you sowed into their life. I can always tell if the person whose funeral I'm presiding over loved people, sowed into people, cared about people, or if they lived selfishly for themselves. I can always tell. The funeral will always reveal it. Say, well, wow, man, I'm not doing real good right now then. Well, you know what? Your heart's beating and you're alive sitting in that chair. It's not too late for you. Now watch this. It's worth noting. This is very interesting to me that sheep can, under mismanagement, be the most destructive livestock of all. They can ruin and ravage land almost beyond remedy. Sheep, those innocent-looking little sheep, can destroy acres of land if they are mismanaged. Conversely, if they're managed well, they can be the most beneficial of all livestock. In ancient literature, sheep were referred to as, quote, those of the golden hooves. Why? Because they were regarded and esteemed so highly for the beneficial effect they could have on land if they're well managed. You can tell a lot about somebody by what they leave behind. You can tell a lot about who's managing them by what they leave behind. Can I tell you all the truth about human nature and, and human beings tonight? That everybody's being managed by either the devil or Christ. Well, Pastor, that's pretty narrow. It is a narrow way. But I'm only quoting Jesus. And we're going to read some of that in just a minute. But who's your manager tonight?
Who is your shepherd? Who is tending to your soul? You can tell by what somebody leaves behind. If they've got that great shepherd of the sheep managing them, more and more and more, they leave behind goodness, they leave behind mercy, they leave behind compassion, they leave behind goodness. Now, a herd of sheep can be placed on land. This is really cool. You can take destroyed land and put a herd of sheep that are being well-managed onto that land, and they will restore it to flourishing fields and rich abundance. Amen. And that's from the mouth of a real shepherd who said that. In other words, well-managed sheep can restore what has been wasted. Are you a well-managed sheep? We need you. Because you know what we're in the business of doing? Restoring. And you give me a church full of people who are walking with the great shepherd of the sheep, you know what they're going to do? They're going to restore damaged land. Amen. They're going to restore damaged land. What has been wasted, destroyed, used up, give me a church full of people walking with the great shepherd, and they will be restorers of the breach, restorers of the paths to dwell in. That's what they will do. They leave behind a legacy of goodness and mercy. They leave behind something worthwhile, productive, beautiful, and beneficial to themselves, to others, and as a testimony to who their shepherd is. Oh, I love this. Isn't this powerful? Here's the question every Christian ought to ask. Are you ready? This is not an easy question. Do I leave behind me a blessing? Am I remembered as a person who dispensed restoration, healing, goodness, benefit? Read what Isaiah 52 verse 7 says with me, would you? How beautiful, what's that word? Beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of them that bring good tidings that publish peace. That's you. You've got the shepherd in your life. That means that anywhere you go, you're carrying him with you. And that makes your feet beautiful. Amen. Now, here's, let's ask some more questions. Do I leave behind peace in lives or turmoil? Do I leave behind forgiveness or do I leave bitterness? Do I leave behind contentment or do I leave conflict? Do I leave behind flowers of joy or frustration? Do I leave behind love or do I leave behind ill will? Those are hard questions, aren't they? You know what will happen with you as you continue to walk with the Lord? You will leave behind goodness and mercy and blessing because that's who you're walking with and that's who your manager is. Have you ever known somebody that really walked with God it was just a joy to be around them because they had the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, full of the Word of God, full of encouragement. And every time you walk away from them, you feel about this much higher than you did before you got around them. You know anybody like that? I do. And I love being around them. Now, you got the flip side. Every time you get around some people, you're lower than when you walked in. You're down. You're blue. You're pessimistic. You're discouraged. You know how long you spend with those people? Not long. You pray for them, you bless them, and you leave. If you're married to one, 
Boy, y'all perked up right then. I mean, just real big. If you're married to one, pray for them. Because here's the deal. The Lord wants His children to be just like these sheep. That we leave behind what was formerly wasted and destroyed, something restored, and goodness and mercy. Amen. Some people live lives of covering their tracks due to what they've left behind. They're always covering their tracks. You never know the truth about them until you find it out, sometimes by mistake, sometimes by probing. But you find out, uh-oh, this isn't somebody who's walking with a good manager. For the true child of God, this should not be. We should never wear a sense of shame or fear in going uh, back to where we've lived or been before. And you know what? If you left a place bad, you can still go back and make it right more times than not. May it be said of us that surely goodness and mercy followed us when we left. Y'all are quiet tonight. Isn't this good? Is it good? Do you think it's good? I think it's good. Well, y'all are... Y'all are going down memory lane, I can tell. Making a list and checking it twice. Uh Uh-oh, back there and there and there. That wasn't me. Hey, we have today. And you can change it today. Amen? And it's, it's all revealed by who your manager is, who you're walking with. Next, the psalmist confidently says this. Read it with me. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Praise God. Now, the word house here has a broader meaning than what we normally attach to it. The psalmist is recounting the entire year of the activities for this flock that we've followed him through since from verse 1 through verse 6. From green pastures and still waters of the home ranch up through the mountain passes onto the high tablelands of the summer range Fall has now come with its storms and rain and sleet and driven the sheep down the foothills and back to the home ranch for the long, quiet winter. That's real sheep shepherd life. Now, in a sense, when this happens and they're driven back down and they go back to the ranch, go back home, this is just for them just like coming home. They've now come home. It's a return to the fields and corrals and barns and shelters of the owner's home. I got to tell you, when I read this and I look at this, I got to think of heaven. Here on this earth, you go through the valleys. You go through those high mountains. You face the wolves, the coyotes, the cougars, the lions, the bears. It's a battle. It's a warrior following the shepherd close. His rod and staff are correcting you and guiding you and shepherding you. But the day comes when you come down and you go home. You go home. The shepherd has seen his flock through all these varying settings, and now they're back home. And it's with great peace and contentment in the shepherd's care that the sheep now says the words, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know what you're going to be saying in heaven? I am here forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We can almost feel the sheep's pride in his shepherd. He sure isn't ashamed of him. He's been well cared for. He has no desire whatsoever to be in any other pasture. 
The good shepherd is his shepherd. Shouldn't we feel the same sense of pride in Jesus, our shepherd? You know, forget the word witnessing. Let's just call it this. Go out and brag on Jesus. Just go out and brag on what he's done for you. I mean, if you just talk about what he's done for you. Well, you know, I used to be messed up in this and that and the other, but he set me free. And I've got peace in the middle of storms. He walks with me. He talks with me. And I know that I am his and he is mine. His banner over me is love. He is my shepherd. He's guiding me. He is my wisdom. He is my philosopher. He is my healer. He is my provider. He is my all in all. Let me just brag on Jesus for a minute. Because you sense here in this psalm that the sheep are so proud of who their shepherd is. You know, folks, you look out there at what people are bragging about being involved in. Everything coming out of the closet, you can imagine. In a time Christians came out of the closet, we might as well. Everything else is coming out of the closet. And they come out bragging on perversion and bragging on darkness and bragging on bondage. Why can't we get out there and just brag on our shepherd? I mean, go out there and just brag on Jesus. How good he really is. We should delight to describe the hard experiences through which he has brought us. Where has he brought you from? We should be quick to tell of our confidence in him. Let me tell you how confident I am in the Lord. We should boast of our shepherd because those who don't know him are under the tyranny of a heartless manager, the devil, and his wretched ranch is the world and that world out there will chew you up and spit you out and not care a lick about you and they're under a cruel harsh unmerciful demanding binding enslaving taskmaster and they're staring through the fence at the good pasture how that grass over there gets so green there's none here Who's taking care of them? They look so well fed. Don't leave them wondering. I was reading about a shepherd, a real one, who right next to him, he had, there was a sheep ranch where the rancher, the shepherd, didn't care one whit for those sheep. And he said when wintertime came, they were scrawny. Their fur was all knotted in burrs. They lost weight. Uh, they had nothing to eat. They had eaten all the grass. It was all gone. He never showed up. They weren't fed well. And he said they would sit and they would stare through the fence at his ranch. And he would see, they would see his sheep, well-fed, happy, combed, beautiful wool, grass, feed. And he said it was almost like their eyes were saying, please let me in. Now, folks, I'm telling you that's the way the world is. It's looking in going, please let me in. Where did you get that soul food? Where did you get that gleam in your eye, that smile on your face, that skip in your step? How did you get this joy? How did you get this peace? They're looking through the fence. And so we plan on telling them how.
He cares not one whit, that is, the devil out there, for the souls of men or for their welfare, not a whit. Under his terrible tyranny, there are millions of starving sheep longing for a better manager, aching for love and concern, looking for love in all the wrong places. Yet there's only one way into the pastures of green grass. The Lord Jesus Christ himself and the good shepherd. Here's what Jesus said. I am the door. Read this with me. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. What's the door? It's Jesus. There isn't any other door. Matter of fact, in another place, Jesus makes it abundantly clear that there are plenty of imposters who promise what only the good shepherd can provide. And he contrasts himself with them. In John 10, 7 through 10, Jesus says, Verily, or very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And what will happen once you're saved? They will go in and out, and they will find what, everybody? Green grass, still waters. To the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And that's Jesus, and that's the contrast. If it's not Jesus, it's not the gate. In closing, let's notice one more thing. The Amplified Bible renders it this way, that last verse, I will dwell in the presence of the Lord forever. And to me, this captures the gist of the whole psalm. In the alertness, the awareness, the diligence of a never-tiring master, which alone assures the sheep of excellent care. And from the sheep's standpoint, it is knowing that the shepherd is there. It is the constant awareness of his presence nearby that automatically eliminates most of the difficulties and dangers while at the same time providing a sense of security and serenity. See, all through this psalm, those sheep have just want, wanted to be in the presence of the shepherd. They've just wanted to be in the presence of the shepherd. The end result of the shepherd's great care is the sheep never wants to leave his presence. I know I say it a lot. I'll say it again tonight. I don't know how you live in this world without the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be in this world without the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be in this world without the Word of God. I just don't. Really don't. Seriously. And, and no wonder they smoke it or drink it or shoot it or toke it or whatever they're doing to escape the pain of living in this world that is ruled by a tyrannical dictator called the enemy the devil now it is his presence that promise uh, promises green pastures clean waters safe summers freedom from parasites and disease and that there will be quietness and contentment it's the same with a christian when it's all said and done on the successful christian life it can be summed up in one thing ever walking in his presence thank god for the testimony that says I will dwell in the presence, in the care of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's stand and give the Lord a hand of praise for this psalm. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and praise the shepherd. Thank you, Lord God. Can we bow for a moment of prayer? And I know I'm talking to somebody by radio right now. 
Maybe you're in the Midwest, maybe in California, Washington, or right here in Dallas, Fort Worth. I'm telling you, who your manager is makes all the difference in the world. If Jesus isn't your manager, you're under the wrong one. I encourage you, look up and call on his name. Ask the good shepherd to come into your life and see if things don't begin to turn and goodness and mercy begin to follow you. Healing and restoration begin to take place and peace comes into your soul. Do it now. Do it while you're driving. Do it while you're sitting at home. Do it right now. Just call out on his name. And all of us here tonight, can we just say, Lord, thank you for being my shepherd. I trust you with every area of my life. Lord, I just want to be in your presence. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and your eternal care in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God is good. God is good.